everyone, and welcome to Sinful Sarah's Horror Menagerie. I'm your host, Sarah Sin, tackling horror movies and taking a deeper dive into them. On the show, again, I don't just discuss what I love about horror movies. I like to bring in the aspect and perspective of horror and history, how horror movies tend to reflect society's fears. And since I am a psychology major, I like to bring this aspect and perspective in as well and see how the horror movie I'm focusing on reflects psychology and mental health in any way. So today, I'm going to be doing things a little bit differently. Um, because I actually have a guest on the show, which I will introduce in a little bit. So again, just going to go over this, the um, cast really quick, re uh, read a piece of my essay, and then go over the subgenre, and then I will introduce my guest, my first guest on the solo show. So today, again, continuing the 90s, I'm going to be doing 1998's The Faculty, directed by Robert Rod Rodriguez, starring an all-star cast, to be quite honest, Jordana Brewster as Delilah, Clea Duvall as Stokely, Elijah Wood as Casey, Josh Hartnett as Zeke, oh, I said the biggest crush on him, Laura Harris as Mary Beth, Sean Hatosi as Stan, Selma Hayek as Nurse Harper, I hope I say this right, Femike Johnson as Miss Burke, Piper Laurie as Miss Olsen, Robert Patrick as Coach Willis, uh, Bebe Newworth as Principal Drake, John Stewart as Mr. Furlong, and Daniel Von Bargen as um, Mr. Tate. So, Horror history, we got um, a few things to go over. So I definitely saw some sexism, especially towards women in this movie, which I will go over and explain a little bit better. You know, again, I think alien invasion often represents like the fear of foreign invader, uh, invaders, like infiltrating us, taking over our minds, uh, making us conform. You know, there's communism. There's also like the fear of like disease within the body and then like fast spreading viruses. Um psychology and mental health i definitely saw some like teenage angst paranoia there's stereotypes and trying to break free from those stereotypes there's loss of humanity loss of control substance use and bullying and before i move on to the subgenre i'm going to read a little bit of my essay so the 1990s also saw the introduction of the internet into every household and people didn't have to get their information from the tv and newspaper anymore but people still had plenty to fear even though the Gulf War was over, reasons to fear and hurt one another was still being shoved down society's throat. throats. Gender, political party, skin color, sexual orientation, etc. Wilson, Wilson 2020, sorry. But at the same time, these fears were being force-fed to the public. People started to become aware of the dangers and the lies they were receiving through TV, newspaper, and now the internet. People didn't know who they could really trust or if they could really trust everything they were seeing and reading. And this helped the subgenre of teen slashers to blossom, McAllister. Many of these movies were meta, very self-aware, and took the cliches and lies from the decades before and put them front and center. With society being force-fed fears through different media outlets, this made it hard for society to know what was real and what wasn't. Many people started to question and wonder about all the dangers and lies they were witnessing, while at the same time wondering if they should really believe everything they see, hear, and read about. Monument. This questioning of reality helped to give the self-aware teen slashers inspiration for their horror movie audience. So moving on really quickly to the subgenre. This movie definitely falls under the sci-fi horror subgenre. This movie references others from the subgenre, from the sci-fi horror subgenre, specifically books, moreover than other movies. A lot of these other like teen slasher self-aware movies really referenced a lot of other horror movies. But this one, I think, focused more on sci-fi horror books over actual um, sci-fi horror movies. So again, let me go on uh, really quickly what the sci-fi horror definition is. This subgenre blends science fiction and horror beautifully. This is where science and experiments have gone wrong, aliens evade the earth, 
or bugs grow to enormous sizes, uh, threatening humanity. These films uh, typically involve a scientist playing God, out-of-control experiments, or alien invasions. Space, aliens, other worlds, mad scientists, and science-slash-experiments make up this subgenre. This subgenre exploded in the 1950s and hasn't stopped. So as I said before in my intro that I have a special guest on today. So I'm bringing in my old co-host, Nathaniel, who's also um, one of the hosts on At the Devil's Ball. So he's coming on to talk to faculty with me today. So Nathaniel, if you want to say something really quick, go right ahead. Sure. I'm, I'm, glad, to, I'm glad to be back. I've been meaning to come back uh, and visit um, sooner, but uh, things are crazy. And you'll have to bear with me at home, folks. Uh, I, uh, I've, I've gone a little under the weather, but the show must go on. Um, and I promised Sarah I would be here. And I would, I, uh, like I said, I meant to come back sooner, but I kept kind of putting it off because I didn't have time. And I would have felt like a gigantic asshole if I were like, oh, I, uh, I'm sick. Um, <laughs> so I can't put it off. So, yeah, I love the faculty. And I'm, I'm glad to be back uh, to talk. Uh, you're doing the 90s this month, right? Yes. Yep. Still in the decade of the nineties yeah. for October. Yeah. Yep. And, totally you're doing, on and you're doing, a, and this is for the self-referential yes. aspect. Yep. Right. Yep. Definitely. Yes. I definitely will go over that. Cause um, the first thing I actually wanted to talk about was the first thing I kind of noticed rewatching this movie for me was kind of how sexist it is in a way, if you think about it. So like when totally you watch yeah. the beginning of the movie, you have like Miss Burke or Miss Drake or Miss Olsen, even Nurse Harper. They all kind of like shy and mousy kind of, I mean, Miss Harper looks sick. You got Miss Burke and Miss Olsen with their glasses and their messy hair. Mm -hmm. And even Principal Drake isn't really dressed up for a principal. You know, they're very dressed down, you know, not a lot of makeup, soft spoken. Like I said, kind of mousy, some are sickly. But as soon as mm -hmm. they get infected, what happens? makeup hair done they become right. very sexy sexy women even nurse harper when you see her after she's infected becomes you know doesn't look sick anymore she's beautiful and vibrant mm -hmm. and i'm like that doesn't happen with the men they're still the same so why is it when the women are infected they become beautiful and confident and sexy beings but the men are just the same so that was kind of the first thing i noticed was like that's a little sexist to me like as a woman like okay, so we're not sexy people, we're not beautiful people or confident people unless we're infected by an alien parasite kind of idea, if that makes sense. Ostensibly. Yeah. 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 You've got a movie here that is, um, is written by uh, uh, a gay man who I think was, I mean, I think he was probably at least in his 30s and directed by a uh, Hispanic man who was also at least in his late 30s, um, made by dimension which we all know now was you know run by uh, ostensibly a uh uh sex criminal true the weinstein brothers yes um uh and well i mean one of them is directly the other one is just uh, i think sam and i talked about this on at the devil's ball where we said the uh, the less evil uh uh brother uh was not a sex criminal but still kind of a piece of shit i, I could swear on the show right i forget of course yeah that's fine okay I do. yeah all right um but um so that's not too super surprising that the movie uh, is going to have an attitude about women that um, uh, that's not going to be very comfortable, um, especially also considering the time. I mean, this is right before right before the turn of the century, technically, yeah. uh, even though even though the turn of the century was 2001. Right. But um, but the popular conception is 2000. Um, 
So, I mean, we're right at the tail end of, of a lot of really, really bad trends that are, I don't know if they really got better, but they got at least a little better as time yeah. went on. Um, but yeah, I don't think that's super surprising. Um, but yeah, the movie is totally sexist. Um, and, and not even just in the way that you talked about. It's, uh, it's also just sexist in the sense of like, who are, who are the important characters? Casey, Zeke, um, even, uh, you know, Delilah is, is given more characterization after her infection. Right. Uh, you know, where she's given the, the excuse of, you know, uh, you know, mom's a drunk dad used to do things to me. Uh, that comes after. Um, in, in fact, she's just sort of a stereotypical queen bitch before that. Yes. You know, it's, uh, it's like, you know, we have our important characters are our bad boy Zeke and our geek Casey. Yeah. Uh, and even Stan's, uh, you know, yep. quest for a brain <laughs> is treated with way more importance than, say, um, Stokely's sexuality, which is then, of course, revealed to just be nothing. Um, right. She's just regular, just a regular old straight girl who says she's gay because it keeps people from talking to her. It's not really like I was actually thinking about this uh, just this morning um, as I was getting ready to come on here about mm -hmm. if you were to make this movie today, Stokely would be the main character. She would yeah. actually be gay. Right. And Mary Beth and the and Mary Beth bonding with her and the subsequent betrayal would be uh, the absolute core of this movie um here it's it's secondary like we even forget that she and stokely had become friends because her relationship with zeke is more important yes, you know yes. like and even then zeke doesn't go like how dare you mary beth you betrayed me <laughs> like he, he it just doesn't really register with him she even calls it out she's like it was sweet of you to bond with me and i'm like did you bond you bonded with stokely but no you you kissed him so that was therefore sexuality is the bond here right um so that, yeah, I mean, it's absolutely, absolutely a sexist thing, you know, that again, uh, even Mary Beth, the, the actual villain of the movie is more defined by her relationship with a man than yeah. the actual bonding she did with another female. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. the sweetest stuff in this movie is Mary Beth consistently trying to be friends with Stokely. And even like the sweet, the, uh, my, I think my favorite scene in this whole movie is her saying to her, you should go talk to him. And so he's like, no, and she shoves her down into the desk in front of her, in front of him to be like, you're going to talk to him. I'm like, that's Stan. that. Yeah. To Stan, it's the, it's like the sweetest part of the whole movie. And it means nothing in the narrative at the end of the day, Stokely and Mary Beth's relationship is completely forgotten about pretty much after that scene. Um, because then she goes meet Zeke and Stokely is forgotten. Stokely's safe with the safe with a man now we no longer have to have that relationship right. um so yeah i think you're absolutely right it's a, it's a very sexist movie um and uh and i think like i said i don't think that's super surprising that it's right sexist. no i get it i just it was just i don't know why i mean obviously i probably didn't notice it in the 90s because i was a high schooler and i was just like oh cute mm -hmm. boys in this movie you know because yeah. i was a teenager at the time but yeah. the first thing i noticed was kind of that was like you know and that's a lot in a lot of movies i noticed is that when women because, and maybe it is a little sexist towards men too, now that I think about it, because usually in these kind of movies, when a woman is infected or with a parasite or an alien or whatever, they usually become more beautiful, confident, and high, you know, more sexual. Men tend to become more emotional. So it's basically mm -hmm. saying almost the same thing to men. It's like, oh, men have no emotions, but now that they're infected with this alien parasite, now they show emotion because we know 
you know, before that men are not emotional sensitive beings apparently. So now that I think about it, it's, it's kind of sexist towards men too. If you think I about know. it, like it is kind of it, both ways, but I think it's more of the females because it's something you really notice and it, it's a physical thing you see. Mm-hmm. the men you kind of have to think about it more but now that you're talking about Mary Beth I wanted to say because I was kind of interested in her character so I'll, I'll say this really quick um mm-hmm. my question about her was why like when she was in the closet with Zeke making out with him she mm-hmm. could have infected him yeah. I generally feel like she did like you said cared about Soakley the way she talked to her the way she hung out with her the way she, like you said she shoved her in the stands lap because she's like I know you like him talk to him right you know like she really cared about him about, uh, sorry, about her, Stokely. And then even, you know, when Delilah like attacks Stokely, she's like, no, that's not who Stokely is. Like she was just doing a ruse, like basically yeah. like, how dare you attack this girl? I like mm. her. And then mm. when she's alone with them at Zeke's place, like she had all this time to infect all these right. people. If that was her true goal. So my question was, why? Why didn't she? And I don't even think it's because, you know, quote, the movie had to happen. I, I think, think there's is. more behind it because at one point towards the end, she even says, to Casey on her big reveal, she's like, even Mary Beth's feelings can be hurt. Right. So I'm trying to think back, what happened that she got hurt to turn around and be like, screw you guys? This is my well, kind of question. If that makes sense. I, I guess, I mean, if you want if you wanted to approach it from that direction, um, I think it's mostly because the movie had to happen. I think that, I mean, even at the very end of the movie, when she when she's going after Casey in the uh, in her full alien form and she shoots parasites out of her face at him and i'm like why didn't you do that when you're in zeke's basement um right. you're like locked locked in a room with all five of these people why don't you just shoot things at them uh rather than let them like go through the whole motions of trying to destroy <laughs> you um i think it's just this not that smart a screenplay but um the uh i think if you want to approach it from that direction i mean i think that what we get especially with casey at the end when she's talking to casey she's trying to convince him of the virtues of being like her, being part of right. the collective, which what that exactly means is all over the place in this movie anyway. Like right. um, the idea seems to be that the aliens are saying, well, we, uh, you know, it's all, everybody's the same and we're all happy, um, but they're not really the same. They still have the same insecurities. They just don't really care about them. Apparently it's, it's all, it's like I said, it's all over the place. It's really hard to pin down exactly what happens when you're infected by a parasite in this movie. Do you become a mindless drone? Right. Do you become the idealized version of yourself? Become the evil version of yourself? Um, you certainly don't seem to have any compunction about killing other people, um, or at least attempting to, mm-hmm. um, but we have the idea of like, you know, the alcoholic teacher doesn't drink anymore uh you know uh it's it's you know uh delilah says she feels good about herself but she is like you know hunting casey for sport it's really kind of like we didn't know what's going on but i think what the idea if you want to approach from that direction is that mary beth believes really truly believes this is the way to be that everybody can be the same on the same level um it's it's part of the problem with the faculty that uh, unlike the other movies they call out like Invasion of the Body Snatchers where they had a convenient communism, yes, um, to to pin this on because mm-hmm. Invasion of the Body Snatchers or Puppet Masters the other movies they call out on that's all a clear allegory for this is what happens when you have communism is everybody becomes emotionless drones and uh, are all dangerous. This movie, it's it doesn't really have uh, it wants to go with that whole like in high school, everybody feels like an outcast. But what if we made them all equal? 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the idea is that Mary Beth, we also don't know why Mary Beth as an alien is even here. We don't know why she came here, why, how she got here. Was it an accident? Was it on purpose? I was um, questioning that too, actually. I was thinking about that too. I was kind of like, she yeah. says she came here because her planet was drying out. But that's like, has she been here for a while? Did she just show up when she infected she... Willis? Like why, yeah. again, like I even agree with what, you know, um, Stan says, like, why Ohio? Why here? Right. There's plenty other small towns you can invade if you want to creep in through the back door. But especially, why especially if you're an aquatic being. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you know, uh, Michigan, you know, would have been better. Yeah. <laughs> right. Maine's right over there. Uh, you know, like, you know, there's plenty. Why pick a landlocked state uh, to, uh, to begin your invasion if you're an aquatic being. Um, but yeah, the, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that, so I guess we get the idea that Mary Beth wants them to choose her or choose her, uh, choose this way of life. So which if, if you wanted to go from that direction, that does sort of track in the sense that, you know, what she really, that yeah, at the same time, what we're talking about is she's saying the world is great if everybody is all on the same page as, in terms of being infected by a parasite. But in reality, what she wants is someone to like her for her um, yeah. and not just as uh, another yeah. drone, which ultimately calls into question the whole thing about like why, why the drones in the first place then, like why not make friends, mm-hmm. um, which is again, because she's a bad guy. Right. You need right. a villain. You know, right. You need a villain. So you have to have, a, you know, she has to have that, that confusion or that hypocrisy um, in order to make sense, you know, like, uh, well, what I really want is everybody to be friends, but I don't want to do the work to mm-hmm. be friends. So everybody's going to be parasites, but then she meets these other characters who are all sort of outsiders, either, either uh either really outsiders or believe themselves to be outsiders or have made themselves outsiders um and sees maybe kindred spirits and maybe she wants them but when their response to do you ask the question of what hurt her to make her to to make her go that direction it's the fact that when got when brought into a room not one of them i think i would i would think it would be the idea that not one of them ever said well maybe she has a point Mm-hmm. Maybe that she was hoping somebody would say, well, maybe this isn't so bad. Um, or maybe somebody would try to empathize with her or sympathize with her. Um, of course, the other her, the, the, the alien. alien. They didn't know she was one until the end. But they no, know they one. Like maybe they can, because I know a few times she even said like here and there, like, is it really that bad? Or is it like, yeah. like why? Or no, that makes sense. But now you're making me think go back because now I'm thinking about you just said how everyone's an outsider or something like that. Now mm. I'm thinking about the stereotypes because that was something else I picked up on. Not so much that every single person character main character is a stereotype, mm. but the whole idea of like you just said teenagers, like teenage angst. Like when you're a teenager, I mean, I think we all remember back when we were teenagers. It's a really it is one of the t- I think one of the toughest times in your life, you yeah. know. And at once hand, you're still very dependent on your parents to survive, mm-hmm. but you also want to be an adult and you want to break free from that. So you also want to break free from those stereotypes. And each person I was watching them, like as much as they're stereotyped as something, they kind of want to break free from that in a way. Mm-hmm. Like I was thinking like Stan is a good example. He's the jock. He's great at sports. Yeah. He loves doing sports, but he doesn't, that's not all he wants. He wants to learn. He wants to be smart on an academic level. He yeah. wants to pursue something more than sports. And I'm wondering if it's because in the back of his mind, he knows that in sports, you're, you have a limited time. Yes. Like you have an injury, you're done. You're, you know, once you hit a certain age, nine times out of 10, you're done. I mean, 
a good example is gymnastics. Your cutoff age is about 18 when yeah. you're done. I yeah. mean, that's not a career. You have no career after that. So I'm wondering if he's thinking in the back of his mind, is like, I have until what, I'm 30 before I'm done. What am I going to do with the rest of my life? You know, right. and, and I think he wants something more. And then I was also even thinking about Zeke. I mm-hmm. mean, Zeke stayed back in high school. Why? Yeah. He's a smart guy. He He's a brilliant, brilliant, intelligent guy. Why wouldn't he continue? And I was wondering, like, probably because that's his comfort zone. Like he, yeah. while he's ill in school, still in school, he is safe because he mm-hmm. has parents who are non-existent. He's basically growing yeah. up and taking care of himself. But as long as he stays in school, he has that security of being taken care of because the school technically will take care of him. But once he's out, he's done. He has like, to really take care of himself. So like, he, I think that's why for him, the stereotype is like, he wants to break free because he knows he's smart and he can pursue that career. But he's also safe at school and he knows he's safe because at home there's no one there to take care of him. I think that I hope that makes sense of what I'm trying to say. It's like yeah. breaking up like stereotypes, but at the same time, there's that security of being in that stereotype. But right. also, like I said, breaking free of how society sees you. And I think that's a big, I would say a big psychological aspect of this movie is the whole idea of stereotypes, your comfort, you're comfortable in that stereotype. At the same time, you want to so badly break free, even with Delilah, like you said, she didn't have a great home life. So she knew getting good grades, be, being popular, being the head cheerleader could get her out someday and get her away from the home life she has because yeah. she doesn't want to repeat that cycle. So that was just one thing you just made me, again, think about more about it. But that is another aspect. I think that the big aspect, I would say, on the psychological level of this movie is the whole idea of stereotypes and trying to break free from them. Because I know yeah, that's yeah, a big thing of high school is like once you're labeled something, that's you who you are. And right you can do everything you want to break free from it. And I even Stokely, like she says, like I embraced my stereotype because at least it made people leave me alone. Right. Like everyone just left me alone because I was quote, you know, this person, I was labeled this person. So I just kept, I held on to it, even though it's not really me. I don't really, right. I'm not that really person. I like the, the head jock. I like the captain of yeah. the football team who yeah. will never quote in a million years like me. Right. So I don't know if that again, <laughs> just something. No. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 well, that's where the biggest self-referential element of this movie comes in is that this is basically the breakfast club. True. I I, mean, I read that in a couple of reviews where it said yeah. like basically like the sci-fi version of the breakfast club. Yeah, the breakfast club meets invasion of the body snatchers. Pretty um, much, yeah. And the most the, one of the most clever things this movie does with that is actually it's the big it's actually a really big clue that Mary Beth is actually the alien um, because the other five are 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 the breakfast club. Mary Beth is the outsider. She's the one. She's a teen movie archetype, but she's not a, that movie's teen archetype. No. Um, but yeah, I mean, and that's of course that's sort of the point of the Breakfast Club is that ultimately, like you know, you think that every is that every single character in that movie says you you don't actually know who I am. You just know my my archetype. You know. Yeah. Um, you know, the jock has feelings. The you know the popular girl feels lonely. The the nerd. Uh, the nerd has is cooler than you think he is. Um, and in uh, this movie is all about that. Um, and, but yeah, I mean, I think you're right in, in terms of Zeke too, I, but we're getting a lot of that in because what this movie, the best thing this movie has going for is its cast. Oh yeah. I said it's uh, an all-star cast. It's like yeah. packed with, I think. Yeah. Every, pretty much everybody, uh, everybody at that time, uh, other than me, I think Stan, Mary Beth, and like the woman who plays Casey's mom, everybody else in that movie is recognizable from something else. Um, True. Yeah. And, um, and it's pretty popular. 
I did that. I did that math the other day while I was waiting for the train to go uh, coming home from work. And I was like, everybody in that movie was well known except for those three people. Um, and in fact, uh, you would seen those people in other movies. You just probably didn't notice it. But um, but yeah, everybody is was at that time kind of a big deal, which was what Dimension was doing at the time. Post Scream was, you know, we right. have these sort of self-referential scripts. We'll put real actors in them um, and sell tickets. And of course, it worked. The movie was really successful. But um but what's going on with the cast is giving way more than I think the script is giving them when in, in terms of Zeke in particular, Josh Hartnett is a great actor and yes, he um, is. Hartnett, yes, he is. what he's bringing to the role is like you said, there's a comfort zone there. There's a lot of self-hatred there too. Um, the scenes with Miss Burke are, are so crucial to this movie, how to that character where he's really inappropriate and rude to her Um and then when she walks away, she just says so rude and walks away hurt. And he's like, it gives that moment of, I feel really, really badly about what just happened, you know, um, which makes us like, we realize he's not a, not a complete jerk. He's actually, this guy does have a heart of gold. He's just, he's just Judd Nelson from the breakfast club. Yep. He's, I've got a role to play yep. and I don't like it, but it's what I've got. And it's again, that's that idea of, like you said, like in high school, you are what you are, uh, not only in the way other people see you, but also in the way you see yourself, where in high school and you're a teenager, you think you got it all figured out. Yeah. You know, oh, you yeah. Think this is this is this is life. You know, this is what life's going to be forever. Um, and so you think the identity you have is and like you said, like even like the athlete, you know, maybe maybe Stan gets it a little quicker than other athletes. But, you know, you, you have that idea of like, well, this is what I'm going to do with my life is I'm going to play football, yep. you know? Um, well, maybe you will, maybe you won't, but you, uh, what you will probably figure out pretty quickly by the time shortly after you leave high school or go to college, if you don't get that free ride to college, you know, what are you going to do? Um, right. You know, but everybody thinks that this is, this is forever. This is who yep. I am forever. Um, and it takes usually some sort of event, usually college or, getting a job or whatever that teaches you that maybe that's not the case. Um, or maybe if you, you know, if you're a police officer, you never did. I don't know. Um, sorry. That's a little, little, uh, sociopolitical dig there, but, um, well, no, you, you, you actually have something on there and I'm not saying this in a mean way, but studies do show that a lot of the, um, and actually not in a negative way, uh, a lot of the bullies or people who were, who were the bullies in high school became policemen, not to be a bully, actually i mean some did obviously but a lot of them do it not to become a bully again but because they want to help the people because they feel bad for who they've hurt in the past this is in their way they feel like this is a way i can help others by stopping the quote bullying so it is actually kind of a true thing it's same with psychologists a lot of people who do my my major or therapy or therapist because a lot of them suffer from mental illness or have experienced childhood trauma or have experienced things in their life that they want to help others. Yeah. So you are onto something actually, when you said that, I know where you were going with it, but there is some truth yeah. behind it in both areas. In one area, yes, some of them want to continue that bullying nature because they feel empowered. And some yeah. of them actually say, hey, I was a shitty person in high school, but now maybe I can help people and right. not be that shitty person anymore. So no, you're onto yeah. something. There's, I think it's both yeah. sides you know yeah but i mean (laughs) but my my point is that basically the faculty in in essence is a movie is a coming of age movie um where you have kids who are stereotypes who are are not necessarily stereotypes archetypes 
Yes. They're archetypical um, that border on stereotype, but they want to avoid being a stereotype. Um, and they, uh, but these are kids that for whatever reason, these particular, more like four, because by the time Delilah ever gets anywhere, she's already one of them. But um, the other four are ostensibly on the cusp of figuring something out about themselves. Yes. And that I think is what makes them not, not infected. Um, and that's what makes it something of an empowering film. I think in terms of teenage angst um, is that you've got these characters who have started to make moves towards getting over who they are. Um, you know, uh, I get the impression, you know, like, the fact that, that this is the first time that Miss um, Burke has confronted Zeke probably suggests this is one of the very few times Zeke has ever bothered to speak up in class. Like, same thing with Furlong's class when he says, uh, when he reveals suddenly he knows something about biology. Yeah. Um, it seems to be the idea that her, then she confronts him and says, if you applied 5% of what your yeah. obvious intellect, you'd probably succeed. And he, he's, instead, he's like, you know, suck my dick. Um, <laughs> And, uh, and it's like, but it's, it's the idea that for whatever reason today, Zeke has sort of decided maybe I should try a little. Um, Casey today decided to kind of sort of reveal that he had a crush on Delilah. Like he took that shot. Stan today <laughs> has decided that he wants to do better at his academics and quit the team. Um, Stokely today probably is by force really but she's still like she's going to talk to stan today yeah um that it just so happens that the day the alien invasion comes they've started taking steps to stop being as the song says another brick in the wall mm-hmm. um and it's it's what makes the movie i think resonate i think it's the reason why we're still talking about it because otherwise it would just be a star-studded uh relatively stupid movie um and it is. I mean, like, like I said, like, you I know, mean, for some reason, per- the, the shape shifting <laughs> alien forgets it can turn into a life teenage girl at the end and gets crushed by uh, by collapsing uh, bleachers, uh, bleachers yeah. uh, because I really forgot that it could do the thing it did three times in the past <laughs> uh, 10 minutes. But um, uh, and it forgot, apparently it could shoot, <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> shoot its, its things projectilely. Um, uh, which means that uh, you don't have to consent to it. It can just fire them at you, but it forgot it could do that until the very end. Um, because and, the movie. Uh, because the movie. And it just so happened that Zeke could, Zeke's drugs could uh, save the world. Um, uh, and of course you have the, you know, Casey uh, guaranteed to jack you up. Um, what kind of, you know what, what kind of message do you think that sends to teenagers too? I was thinking of that too. It's like, hey kids, guess what? Drugs. Yeah, drugs. In, <laughs> in high school, when this movie came out, I was in high school. I was a high school Same. senior. Same. And um, some of the people that I were friends with who saw the film were talking about that was what they pretty much took away from the film was <laughs> drugs save the world, um, which they thought was a really funny, which they thought was really funny. Um, but I was like, well, but if, if you want to think about it that way, yes, uh, you could look at it that way or you could look at it as um, this thing that Zeke came up with. Yeah. on his own you know a teenager made this up and he was able to do this um but yeah i mean it's it's uh it's it works i i honestly think the movie works better looking back at it than it did when you first saw it 
um i do too i think the characters yeah. are more relatable like the more I, I, yeah. when i watched it this time around i felt as a almost 39 year old woman they were more relatable than when I watched it as a teenager. As a teenager, I'm just like, yay, I have a huge crush on Josh Hartnett. He's right. so cute. I'm just going to watch him. But through this time, I'm just like, you know, they're a little more relatable. I think they're, the movie's not perfect, but I think they're a little more fleshed out. And honestly, yeah. I would say they're a little more fleshed out than, and I love the movie Scream, but I feel like they yeah. were more fleshed out in characters than the characters in Scream. But I know what Scream was doing. It was like, hey, they have more typical horror movie tropes. Yeah, I think I think they have more opportunity to uh, to do things like, uh, you know, Scream didn't have a moment like um, Miss Brummel dying in the shower and Stan actually responding like a human being, like Stan being like, oh, my God, like, you know, at first he's freaked out because she's they're both naked in the shower. But then he goes like he reaches out. and He actually embraces her. Yeah. yeah, He's like, you're going to be okay," And then Casey runs in and he yells, get help. Right. You know, and Casey immediately goes and gets help. Like they have a moment where, you know, Stan, we, it is the moment we, I think we like Stan. Yeah. Um, is that we're like, oh, he's, he's not just a dick jock. He actually does care about other people. Yeah. You know, he has that moment with Casey too, where, uh, you know, they've been kind of picking on Casey and then he just doesn't, you know, yeah. Casey and him are alone in the locker room and, and he just sort of, they both just sort of acknowledge the other's presence and just sort of wander off. Right. Um, you know, that it wasn't Stan's first response to pick on Casey like the other jocks do. Exactly. Um, you know, uh, you know, it's and it's a great performance. Uh, I, I wish I could remember that actor's name. Like I said, he's one of the three people. Stan. Yeah. Stan. John Hattosi. Yeah. John Hattosi. Uh, it's a great performance. Um, no, he's a good and, actor. I'm trying to I know yeah. I've seen him in other movies. And now he has. Like, he's I'm totally been out. in other things. Yeah. But um, uh, him, Mary and him and Mary Beth were the two predominantly unrecognizable at the time of this movie mary beth had been in suicide kings um Mm -hmm. which if you are a neckbeard film buff from the 90s (laughs) you probably know suicide kings pretty well i don't sorry (laughs) we are not a neckbeard neckbeard bro from the 90s so um uh you know probably wearing a fedora um (laughs) sorry that's a little arch um I think Suicide Kings is a fine movie, but it's it's one of those movies, like Moondock Saints, where bro dudes are like, "This movie's great," and it's like, "It's," mm. but, um, but yeah, I only like it. I only like Moondock um, Saints because of their last name. So, McManus. Right. Yeah, they have the same last name as yeah. McManus. Not yeah. spelled the same way. Um, but still. <laughs> uh, Moondock Saints. Saints has some fun stuff in it, but it's it's uh it, and mostly it's been torn down by the fact that its director is a huge tool, but um. But uh, anyway, that's something else entirely. But uh, you want to talk about, you know, self-referential 90s movies. There you go. But um, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's a it, it but it's a great performance um, uh, by Shauna Tosi. Um, Stan's a really likable character. I think they're all pretty likable characters. Even Delilah. Um, I, think, I like Delilah. Uh, even the... Delilah, I think we. Sorry, I messed up on my words. I said I like Delilah yeah. more once she admits when she's in the bathroom with Casey, she's like. I tried to tell my mom, but she drinks like, like my mom's an alcoholic, basically. Yeah. And she's yeah. just admitting. And I was kind of like, oh, OK, I just yeah. kind of see where we, you're you see where her kind of not, not an excuse of her behavior, but it is kind of an idea of like where her behavior is coming from is that she's she obviously comes from a broken home herself. So she, you know, so yeah. for her, she it's gets a sympathetic out. moment, too, before that. She gets a sympathetic moment before that. She gets one of her own, too. I think when Casey, um, Casey kind of 
flirts with her a little bit and she she responds not with laughter but with like huh i never thought about that kind of moment where she's like oh you maybe maybe you would be a potentially suitable mate if you were cooler (laughs) um you know um you know or the fact that she's almost maybe even kind of moved that he thinks well of her you know despite her mean girl tendencies then he calls her it's a nice moment right afterward um yeah yeah (laughs) and then she leaves him to die um but yeah it's uh yeah so (laughs) yeah he falls back delilah wait she just keeps running um leaves him there to die but yeah um yeah it's a it's a yeah it's it's a fun movie um you wanted to talk about you had mentioned you wanted to talk about um uh, a little bit more about miss burke and zeke yeah, I was going to say, I just feel like their relationship... Oh, before I go into that, sorry. I wanted to say really quickly that the one thing I liked about this movie about it being self-aware, it was it was more about books, not really movies. Like, they reference, I think, maybe two movies. Uh, one is like, oh, you're the creepy, you know, Stephen King kid that's one at every school, or would you blow up the White House Independence Day style or sneak mm-hmm. in through the back door? But re- the rest of it was really just sci-fi books because that's what Stokely was into, was the sci-fi books. So she was talking about not the movie, invasion of the body snatchers or the movie the puppet master she's talking about the book so that was one thing i thought was kind of interesting to take it away from being a scream you know wannabe was that it took away and said we're not even gonna do movies we're gonna reference actual like legitimate novels so that was one thing i did enjoy about the whole self-aware about it was it was referencing books over movies so i was kind of like and in a way i think i hope it made kids go like oh i want to read these books now like they're talking about books not movies i can go you know read these books so but yes miss burke the whole time i'm watching it i feel like there's a very very inappropriate relationship between her and zeke like it just i feel like it's so obvious like the first moment when again they're talking about caruso and he finally says something very intelligent and her face isn't like wow he's smart it's almost like she's like smitten by him it's just the way she looks it's like oh wow oh my gosh and i'm just like that's really creepy and then like when she's confronting him at the car it is it's the whole way they're talking to each other it's like i don't know i didn't see her being like if you only applied five percent of that brain as coming from a teacher i saw it coming from like someone who was interested in him and i get it that she's probably a very young teacher and he's probably 19 going on 20 it's still very inappropriate because even when she confronts him on the front lawn when she's like you pathetic little shit it's just the whole t- and then the very end when he's on the football field and is now he's a football player and he's smoking that cigarette she's waving to him with this face of like ooh you're I, we're together now when she's a teacher she's yeah. not waving to him like a teacher she's waving to him like the, your girlfriend does and the way he looks at her is the way a boyfriend would i just it's something so kind of like watching it now very creepy to me that relationship i don't care how close they are in age it's still a teacher and a student yeah. And it's just yeah. the whole time is like their interactions are just in my mind so inappropriate. Maybe because I'm an adult now, kind of, sort of. But it's just the whole time I'm watching, I'm just like, this is really well, like inappropriate to me. <laughs> well, the the I think the the general rule would be if you ever if you, anything ever strikes you as slightly off when it comes to man and woman relationships, fl- uh, uh, swap the gender and see how you respond to it um if it was mr burke and uh i don't know what the female equivalent of zeke would be but you know uh, but we'll say Zoe. You know, if it, yeah 
Mr. Burke, Mr. Burke and Zoe, uh, it would be highly inappropriate. Oh, yeah. um, it would be, it would be uh, very scandalous, uh, even if they were close in age. You know, she yeah. was 19, he's 23. The fact that he's a teacher and she's a student automatically makes it inappropriate. Inappropriate. Um, but uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it is definitely there. I mean, I looked at it again being like, is that really what it's saying? And I'm like, you could make an argument that it's not, but I think it, it it's, even if it's not making making it explicit that they're going to have a relationship it's it's definitely flirty at the very least you know the wave is flirty it's not um now theoretically once he graduates i guess whatever um they're both adults but technically but as we also pointed out you know the idea that part of this whole thing is that zeke hasn't grown up right um the irony, of course, being when it comes to those gender roles is that a 19-year-old girl is probably more capable of holding a relationship with a 23-year-old man than a 19-year-old boy is, uh, you know, you, you know, the psychology, you know, the, the statistics, you know, females mature faster than males. Uh, it's actually quite likely that a 19-year-old girl would be more capable of holding a relationship with a 23-year-old man um, right. than the other way around. But Zeke, I was the, I am the other way around. <laughs> yeah, but but the point is that Zeke, the Zeke we've met in this movie has no business being in a relationship probably at all um, until he figures himself out. Um, right. Certainly not with a 23-year-old English teacher. Um, but it's like you said, there's this, that element of sexism, which is the idea that ultimately this whole thing has to revolve around couples getting together, which yes. is what the end of this movie is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Zeke Zeke gets rewarded with Miss Burke. Right. Casey gets rewarded with Delilah. Delilah. Um, yeah. And Stokely uh, pulls a breakfast club and puts on a pretty pink dress and uh, I hated and that. Scrubs off her goth makeup and makes out with Stan. Yeah, I hated that. Everybody hates think, that. Yeah, um, I absolutely hated that. She should have just kept her look. I love. It. It's I, just I, like the Breakfast Club. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah. she gets the same yeah. thing happened in the Breakfast Club with uh, Ali Sheedy. She she yep. puts on the pink dress and and is suddenly suitable for the yep. uh, captain of the football team. Um, it's uh, it, it you know it's not uh, maybe he decides he likes goth, you know. Yeah. But no, she's going to change. She's got to conform know. to him. Um, Very sexist. This movie. Yep. She's the reward. Yep. Oh my that's gosh, how yeah. that's how these work. The yep. guy gets rewarded with the girl. Um, we talked about that with the mummy's hand way back when, you yes. know, the main character, oh, yeah. even though he wasn't really the hero, uh, the comic relief was actually the hero, solved the problem. Yep. Uh, yep. She still makes out with the uh, with him because she's the reward. She's the MacGuffin. He's the looking guy. <laughs> he's a good looking guy who gets the girl at the end. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's just how these things work, or at least how they did. I mean, like I said, if you were to make the faculty now, it would be like Stokely and Delilah would make out at the end and it would be like, you know, you know that's how and like stan would be dead and uh you know it would be like um which is another thing i love about this movie is that like then they're like in the credits they're like the teachers that were killed might be alive again but maybe they're not like the news report says like they're missing faculty members but like miss burke who had her friggin head cut off is fine but mr furlong's still missing an eye and his hand we don't know if like fingers Yeah, his fingers are gone, and we don't know if B.B. Newworth was dead. And by the way, why did Mr. Furlong's fingers move on their own? Um, this, movie's, this movie's 
physics don't make any sense, but, um, <laughs> or biology makes no sense. It's not really sure. physics, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, like I said, it's a kind of a dumb movie in a lot of ways. Um, and it's funny that I think that uh, as you get older, I think the more you enjoy this movie, but the more you realize all that stuff's there. Right. The I think people, when you're a teenager, yeah. you don't really think about these things. No, because you're when looking, you get older, you're like, your wait a minute, why did Mr. Furlong's fingers move? Yeah. yeah. It's because you have a different mindset as a teenager, you know, it's different. Like yeah. you said, or just, it's a completely different area of your life. I mean, that's the class I'm taking right now is developmental psychology again, because I've already done it twice, but I have to do yeah. it for a different credit. So, mm. but yeah, I mean, it's the whole idea of like, yeah, teenagers. That's yeah. why, I mean, again, that's what I like about this movie very much on teenage angst. Like we all have, we all know what we're going through. I still remember what I went through as a teenager and it's just, it's one of the hardest times in, I think a, a, a person's life developmentally, like it is one of the hardest parts, but you know, I do, I, I think I enjoyed this movie more, like you said, now watching it, catching on, but no, it's not perfect, but I think I, I pick out things more, but I enjoy it more than just watching it for the cute boys yeah. like I did in high school. So that's what I mean. Yeah. It's yeah. like, even though, even though those flaws are way more apparent as an, as an older guy who has, um, you know, even since then studied film and, and realizes all those things are pretty tragic flaws. I mean, I'm not, I'm not cinema sins. Okay. Like I don't really care. Right. Like I'm not going to be like this movie's bad because all this shit doesn't make any sense. It's actually more like the movie's actually more fun mm -hmm. because none of this stuff makes sense. Um, right. It, when you start to realize, like you said, it's like we've talked about it, it, This is a self-referential movie that it doesn't have to really make any sense it's just a hodgepodge of, of other movies kind of being or other stories being thrown together yes. so you have like all that dumb stuff like what the alien shapeshifts sure why not yeah, it makes yeah. no sense why this aquatic being that takes over other people's minds can turn into a teenage girl for some reason it doesn't matter no. uh it's dumb as hell but it doesn't matter uh because you if it if she if he if if she couldn't turn into a life pretty teenage girl we wouldn't have the movie right. um because the movie <laughs> yeah and if she didn't you know like one of the things i was thinking about was that they, that both of the, the characters are like it must be either the principal or the coach it has to be an authority figure that's taking it over and i'm like why isn't it the coach why isn't it uh the principal uh why isn't it the governor um right. why is it why is it a teenage <laughs> girl uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to the high school to begin my invasion. Uh, okay. Um, not the police force. Not not the hospital. Maybe. Um, that's a pretty easy one. Um, and I kind of find myself wondering sometimes. Like we talked a little bit about Mary Beth. I wonder if if the alien itself was a teenager by its own species standards. Right. Like, I also think. Um, and I, I noticed this. In, I, I think about this in a lot of different movies because I know we're gonna have to wrap this up soon. But yeah. I think any time any creature or alien, and I know some movies have talked this, once they take on human form, they tend to take on human emotions. You know, it's kind of like makes sense for me. Like maybe I was thinking about maybe that's why Mary Beth started like not wanting to infect these people because the human side of her started to kind of go in like, I do kind of care about these people. I kind like of she like gone, Like huh? she went native, like she went native. Kind of like I know that yeah. you know they say this a lot, like even just like half breeds, you know, it's a half vampire, half human person. Well, yeah. they still have human ability, mm -hmm. human emotions. It's always right. focuses on whenever an alien or an angel or a demon or a vampire takes on a human form, they always take on human emotions, which is sure. where their 
part of their tragedy is, is because they're like, I don't want to be this way, but now I can't help it. So I'm always thinking right. like maybe part of the consequence of her turning into a teenage girl was that she took on teenage girl emotions because maybe. in order to become human and infiltrate the humans, you have to be able to feel and have emotions. Otherwise they would have caught on like that yeah. because human beings are emotional beings. So I don't know, maybe, I don't know, but just something a little, I, I started thinking about later on too, is that you have to kind of, I mean, if you don't have emotions, like the pod people, they caught on very quickly that something was wrong. And the alien invasion in the movie at yeah. least was stopped because, oh my gosh, these people have no emotions. You can't infiltrate human beings the human race without having an emotion. So I think maybe for her, that's kind Even of part of her problem. Our angst was that she's yeah. now taking on the, those emotions and having these feelings that she's like, what the hell is this? So why, why are I infecting these people? I'm sitting in a room with them. And like you said, I can shoot them out of my mouth, but I'm sitting here trying to help them right. destroy my, my whole species. So I don't know. Right. It's a little something I was. Well, it might be. You know, you might be right, because I would also underscore the what we talked about earlier about the hypocrisy of the character. Like, you know, the idea is I'm trying to eliminate emotions, but yet I'm feeling them. You know, right. there's that hypocrisy right. of the of the villain who wants to destroy emotions without realizing that's an emotion. Right. Um, yeah. Within itself. <clears throat> yeah. No, that makes sense, too. I just thinking, I don't know. Like I said, I always I see these movies now completely different so yeah. you know especially like i was going to say the whole idea of like alien invasion metaphors are usually like you said for communism right. foreign invaders invading you know yeah. silently infiltrating us and taking over our minds and making us conform to them it's always yeah. one of those things and but i mean how else do you conform you know right. you have to well, be able to infiltrate and mimic us and without you know emotions you can't mimic the human race whether you're an alien or not or even if you're from i don't know just something i was thinking about so yeah. um anything else you wanted to say about the movie before we wrap it up because i know we're going to run out of time soon so just um just that this movie has the unforgivable sin of having harry Knowles in it i mean <laughs> screw harry Knowles. but that's about it yeah i just wanted to call out make sure that i called out that um i hate harry Knowles. So. Okay. Oh, good. Harry knows for the for the uninitiated, right? Uh, he writes the um, uh, he created uh, "Ain't It Cool News." Um, he's the original neckbeard critic that I joked about earlier, uh, and he plays the he's the the fat guy who appears in the teacher scenes. He has no lines; he's just a cameo. Um, the teacher, but yeah, that's Harry Knowles. Yeah, the big okay. guy. He's he's running walking around in the background there. Oh, yeah, uh, he has one one close up of looking at Furlong, <laughs> you know. Uh, but yeah, that it's Harry Knowles, and he's uh, he's uh, he's he's a garbage bag. Um, but yeah, um, but I just want to call that out. No, that's I'm, totally I'm just fine. A, I'm just a jerk. That's all. No, you're fine. I find it funny. Mm -hmm. And I was just gonna say, yes, I still have a huge crush on Josh Hartnett, but he'll never replace my Jeffrey Combs. But oh my gosh, when I was watching this movie as a teenager, I was all about him because he also came, the same movie that came out the same year was Halloween H two O. And he was in both. Yeah. I was like, Whoop, I, have a, I have a crush on, I have a crush on Josh Hartman. I mean, How can you not? Like, I mean, come on. Yeah. And he's I mean, a great actor. I yeah. mean, uh, he was, he was great in um, uh, Penny Dreadful. I like him in 30 was, Days a Night too. Yeah. It was when he kind of, his, uh, his comeback was uh, Penny Dreadful. And he, right. he, he was stellar. Yeah. yeah. I haven't seen that show actually. My mom used to watch it. So I'll probably have to start watching that soon. I'm going to need to find another show. I think it's on Netflix. Uh, he's only in the, he's in those, uh, it was, 
it had two seasons, I think, on Netflix, and then it had a third on Showtime that had was completely separate. Okay. But uh, I believe it's on Netflix, and uh, yeah, him and Eva Green and um, uh, oh god, I can't forget, remember his name. Anyway, he's a uh, older actor, but they're everybody's great on that show. And it's a oh, great I'll show. Do- yeah, definitely have to check it, out. Check it out. Yeah. Oh, definitely. But like, and like I always say, I will always find something I like in every horror movie. As everyone knows on this show, I always say that. So I, again, I will tell everyone, please watch this movie. It's a great movie, especially if you grew up, if you were a child of the '90s, and this is when yeah. you were in high school. I think it's very like nostalgic for you. Like it definitely represents the '90s in every way, shape, or form, which isn't a bad thing for someone like me who grew up yeah. in that era. So I would definitely say check it out. It's a good movie. It's got a great cast. I think, like I said, now it is more relatable now, I think, than back then. But it's despite some, its flaws, it's a well-rounded movie, in my it's opinion. It's got some awesomely terrible songs on the soundtrack. It's um, <laughs> got Creed, and uh, yeah, it's it's great. It's a good one. Okay, so I will wrap it up for today. Thank you again for joining me here on Sinful Sarah's Horror Menagerie. Again, I'm your host, Sarah Sin, with today my guest and old co-host, my old partner in crime, Nathaniel. Thank you very much. It's good to be back. (laughs) Hope you enjoyed the show. Again, thank you for listening. And as I like to remind everybody, there's a horror movie out there for everyone to enjoy. So thank you.